0: The prime obligation of every human being is to speak out against injustice. We are our brother's keeper.
1: You're listening to The Keeper, brought to you by the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. I'm Katrina Lantos-Sweat. Welcome to episode one of our new season. For the next several episodes, we're going to be focusing on three simple but powerful words, rule of law. When we decided to make this our focus, we never imagined that the start of 2021 would bring this concept to the very forefront of public discourse. More than a thousand police officers moved to arrest scores of pro-democracy activists. This was the biggest operation to date under the national security law imposed by Beijing on Hong Kong last year.
0: Once on the ground, Navalny's every move was live-streamed. The law is on my side, he insisted. I'm not afraid of anything. But just a few minutes later at passport control, police made their move. Navalny kissed his wife goodbye, and he was gone. Chaos erupted at the U.S. Capitol today when pro-Trump demonstrators breached barricades and pushed their way inside as lawmakers were in the process of making President-elect Biden's election official.
1: But if the last few weeks, and indeed the last several years, have taught us anything, it is this. It's more important than ever for us to understand and truly commit to the rule of law. But what you may ask, does that phrase actually mean? Is it an abstraction, an impossible ideal, or is it something real and practical that holds democratic societies together? To help answer these questions, we spoke to one of America's preeminent legal scholars on the rule of law, Professor Harold Koh, the Sterling Professor of International Law at Yale Law School and one of the Lantos Foundation's Rule of Law lecturers. In addition to his legal scholarship, Professor Koh has also served as U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor, and as the legal advisor of the State Department. There truly isn't a more qualified individual to explain the rule of law for us.
0: Well, I think the idea of the rule of law is captured in probably the greatest supreme court opinion marbury versus madison where they talk about a government of laws and not men or obviously in the stage of of men and women
1: in case you don't know off the top of your head marbury versus madison was a landmark supreme court case that established the principle of judicial review this means american courts have the power to strike down laws that they find violate the constitution
0: what it means is that we live ruled by principles. And those principles are set forth in our constitution and laws, not as directed by particular individuals. Now I'll be honest, this is a very abstract concept for me growing up.
1: Professor Ko says the concept became very real for him when he was a college student on summer vacation in Korea in 1974.
0: There was an assassination attempt on the dictator who had in fact been ruling as, quote, president with the title of president since his military coup. And there was an assassination attempt. And so suddenly there were troops on the streets. There was martial law. No one could go outside after 11 o'clock. It was terrifying. At the exact same moment, Richard Nixon was forced to resign and Gerald Ford became president. And I called my father and I said, I can't understand this, Dad, you know, the most powerful country in the world, the United States, just changed power with no troops, no tanks, no guns in the streets. And your country, Korea, has only known transfers of power by military force. And he said, that's the difference between the rule of law and the rule of individuals. In a dictatorship, if the troops obey you, they call you president. But in a democracy, if you're president, the troops obey you. And that, to me, clarified the importance of the law being the controlling principle of the society.
1: Today, South Korea is a democracy that respects the rule of law, but there are many major players on the international stage who care little for upholding it. And this has grave consequences for the human rights of their citizens.
0: So, you know, of course, Russia has a majestic constitution with all these provisions, It's, in fact, an autocracy. Human rights are badly restricted, economic, social, and cultural rights. Political opposition is assassinated. Then I could go on and on. So we have to look at human rights practices. A country that has no rule of law is going to have human rights violations.
1: But when we talk about the rule of law, Professor Coe says that there's more to it than what countries do within their own borders.
0: Following a rule of international law so that people get on the same page and lodge a common response and allocate priorities and communicate with each other transparently and fairly is a critical part of the international rule of law, which is part of the overall system of rule of law that gives us such basic things as public health or a clean environment or, for example,
1: human rights. In some cases, countries like Russia and China will abide by portions of the international rule of law, enabling them to take part in global systems that benefit their economies. At the same time, they will openly flout international human rights law. We see this in China, which continues to commit appalling human rights abuses against its own people and, in recent years, has carried out a brutal crackdown on democratic Hong Kong, stripping it of nearly all of its former autonomy. Russia and China's disregard for the rule of law is well-known and well-documented. But research from the Human Rights Foundation shows that there are 40 competitive authoritarian regimes and 53 full-fledged dictatorships that collectively govern or oppress 4 billion people worldwide. That's a lot of countries where the rule of law is in grave jeopardy. We asked Professor Koh which one keeps him up at night.
0: I'm a Korean-American, so my obvious focus is on North Korea. What's even more tragic to me is that the country is divided. We have a vibrant democracy in the South, and we have horrible autocracy in the North. And these are the exact same people. In December of 2000, I went with Secretary Albright. We came in uh, on the plane, and there was no light. They didn't have electricity. People had nothing to eat. And they were showing me a aerial map, and they said, those are our labor camps. When we met North Korean people, they were totally demoralized, and it, it just reminded me of George Orwell's 1984. We flew less than 50 miles to the south, and as we approached Seoul, all the lights came on. it was vibrant and k-pop and gangnam style. And my reaction was, the only difference between these people is the government that they live under. And one government is totally repressing people's abilities to function as full persons. And the other is giving full expression to people's ambitions, artistic, cultural, economic, political. That's why government and uh, a rule of law system of government is so important.
1: A rule of law system of government, a government of laws, not of persons, This is precisely what has separated America from so much of the world since its earliest days. But we wanted to know, speaking with Professor Coe just days after we watched a violent mob overrun the US Capitol, what is the state of the rule of law in America?
0: Well, it needs work. The signs that we've seen this week are some of the classic signs that we see in autocracy. But You know, on the other hand, I'm an optimist and our country is a work in progress and it's a struggle for a more perfect union. I think the last four years have shown us how fragile a system of rule of law we have. All the more reason to be less triumphalist. We have fallen further faster than I ever would have predicted. We have to look at our society and figure out how to make a new start. It's hard for us to preach democracy abroad. When we have such a fragile democracy at home, we have to strengthen our guardrails before we can start telling other countries what to do.
1: For all the ways Professor Coe has seen our democracy strained, and for all the threat he sees to the rule of law, he also believes that there have been some good signs. In the 2020 election, for example, we saw many Americans make a conscious choice to put their commitment to a free and fair election ahead of party affiliation
0: take a look down in Georgia where all of the key officials were Republican but over and over again they reasserted their commitment to counting every vote. We had recently a very graphic example where the president of the United States told them to find votes and they said, "No, we're not going to do it. You you got the data wrong." The main message they were delivering was, "We don't work for individuals. We work for the rule of law." And This is just such a powerful point. I've taken the oath of office five times. I never took an oath to obey a person. I said I would uphold the Constitution and laws of the United States of America. And if the leaders are behaving inconsistently with that, there's absolutely no doubt where your loyalties lie. It's with the law and not with the individuals.
1: At least not with the individuals in power. But as Professor Coe tells us, The commitment of each individual in a society to upholding the rule of law is actually the very thing that makes it work.
0: People think that the rule of law is enforced by external actors like policemen or courts. But in fact, it's enforced by internalized behavior, habit. People are trained to respect the rule of law. People pay their taxes. People may drive above the speed limit, but they are aware of the need for public safety and order. And I think that in many ways, the respect for the rule of law is part of our civic religion. We have many different religions, but a common theme is respect for the rule of law that allows our society to function.
1: What do we do then, when at least some part of our society seems to have lost that respect? How do we rebuild it?
0: So civic education is definitely a part of it. Another part of it is the way in which these norms are discussed on social media and the press. Senator Moynihan famously said, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. We have to respect the truth and hold people rigorously to standards of truthfulness. The government has no right to lie to us. And we have to focus on making sure the government tells us the truth and is held accountable when it doesn't. Another is respect for our institutions. These have been diminished and their credibility has been challenged. Finally, and most important, is to not conceive of everything as a zero-sum game.
1: Professor Harold Coe is a man who has seen up close what life looks like in a country with no respect for the rule of law. He acknowledges that America is not like those countries. It may falter and it may stumble, but he believes America will be true to the rule of law in the end.
0: That's what's special about the country is that there are these bright chapters, dark chapters. So the pendulum goes back and forth. As Dr. King said, the arc of moral arc of the universe is long, but bends toward justice. You know, if you're an optimist, that's what you believe. And if you're committed to the American project, you have to decide that your goal is not simply to watch what happens, but to put your energy behind bending that arc.
1: One way Professor Coe is bending that arc himself is through the Peter Gruber Rule of Law Clinic, which he runs at Yale Law School. The clinic involves law students in litigation related to maintaining the U.S. rule of law and human rights commitments in the areas of national security anti-discrimination, climate change, and democracy promotion. It gives the students not only the theory behind the rule of law, but shows them how you defend it in a practical sense in a court of law. I actually had
0: a wonderful conversation with Tom Lantos when he was in Congress. He had been a professor of economics and was now in the world of political action. And he says to me, how important it is for people who live in the world of ideas who also live in the world of action. You need both theory of the rule of law, then we need practical steps to enforce the rule of law. So that's what I've tried to do, sort of going in and out of the academic space. And it's made for a very uh, interesting (laughs) career. I'm very happy that I've had the opportunity to meet people like Tom Lantos and the Lantos Foundation. I have to tell you why I'm optimistic. I was at a diplomatic meeting and one of the other ambassadors from a small Asian country said to me, I see that you're Asian in heritage, how did this happen? And I told him a little bit about my family. And he says, do you mean to say that your father was ambassador to the U.S. and you're now an ambassador from the U.S. in just a few decades? That would never happen in our country. Our caste system is too rigid. It would never be allowed but you're telling me that in the greatest country in the world, it is allowed. And that's why more is possible in your country. More good is possible, (laughs) more bad is possible. You know, I draw from that lesson. If there's an optimistic side and a dark side, then the optimistic side has to fight just as hard to get to the right results.
1: My late father, Congressman Tom Lantos, was also an optimist. Despite living through the Holocaust and under terribly repressive governments, both fascist and communist, In troubling times, he would always tell me, we are just bending a windy corner of history, but around this corner are blue skies and wonderful opportunities. With people like Harold Coe leading the way, I'm also confident that the rule of law will prevail here in America. In other parts of the world, however, the struggle to maintain the rule of law is far more dangerous and the outcome less certain. Next time on The Keeper, We'll speak with Erwin Kotler, Canada's former Minister of Justice and a renowned human rights lawyer. He has represented many of the best-known and most courageous dissidents and activists of the past three decades.
0: We have a responsibility to let them know that they are not alone, that we stand in solidarity with them, uh, that we will be relentless
1: in our advocacy for them. I hope you'll join us for the rest of the episodes from our Rule of Law podcast season. Make sure to subscribe to The Keeper on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss any of the exciting episodes we have coming up. I'm Katrina Sweat, and thank you for listening to The Keeper.